Welcome to the Crux Podcast and Sermon of the Week. For more information about the Crux Ministries and Summit Church, please visit us at summitsanmarcos.com. So good. All right, guys. Hey, if you have your questions, we're going to put them in these buckets here. Come on over. Wow, we got a big Crux team this year. Come on, God's raising up leaders. Way cool. All righty. You guys got your questions filled out in there? Yep. Okay, so the way this is going to work, um, we have this bucket here. We're also going to put the bucket um, up here or maybe on the side. And uh, if you have other questions that come up, feel free to put more in there as well, okay? Uh, There should be more papers. Are there more papers in there? They're extra? Extra? There you go. Here's a bunch more. There you go. Feel free. Feel free to add. So we'll try our best to get to all of them, uh, but, you know, with a lot of this team, so with you guys, rules for you guys as a team, just let, like, two people answer, three. We don't have, if we have all 12 people try to answer, like, one question, it's going to take a while, okay? So just, like, one person, two people. Also, try to let each other answer, not the same person every single time, you know? Um, you know, because they're all leaders and preachers, and they want to speak and minister, so... You know, that'll happen. All righty, guys. So you guys ready for the first question here for the night? Are you guys ready? Tonight's episode of Real Talk. This should be like a TV show. Real Talk. Here we go. I'm your host, Taylor Jensen, and this is your panel tonight. Okay, here we go. And I'll ask you guys your name, and then you can answer the question when you go, okay? All right, so here's the question. So how do you pray and hear, hear God answers prayers? Question mark? So I'm going to guess, how do you pray and hear God answer your prayers? I'm going to throw in a couple extra words there. But hear God answer your prayers? Anyone? 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 Solid question. How do you pray? What's prayer look like? And how do you know God's answering your prayers? Yes, what is your name? My name is Yar. So in the word, it says that God knows what we ask before we even ask him. So when you're praying, you could just say whatever's on you. It's like a conversation with the Lord. So just like you're talking with your best friend or your friend, just talk to God. He wants a relationship with you. And then how you hear his voice is basically the first thought that comes to your mind. It's not, you know, it's not like, oh, I've got to like ponder it. i got to meditate and try to hear the voice of the Lord. But it's the first thing that comes to your mind. And it's something that you normally don't think about. It's true. That happens a lot. Yeah. Awesome. Solid. All right. Hey guys, What's your my name? My name is Kenneth. Awesome. Um, so yeah, I support Hi, what Yar says. Mm-hmm. Uh, prayer is just talking, conversation, but also something as far as like asking God. Um, I think if it's aligning to his will, um, then you just you straight up ask and you wait and then you just be expectant. Uh, and that's what I did for a few things. And then it surprised me that it actually like worked. So... Yeah. Um, but the key thing, aligning to his will. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's the key thing right there. So good. So, so good. Awesome. Yeah, love that. Give it up for those guys. So good. Yeah, a lot of times prayer really is just a conversation with God. He already knows how you're feeling, already knows what you're thinking, already knows what's going on. You might as well talk to him about it, okay? And so prayer is really just open dialogue with God. There's different types of prayer where you can move into intercession or personal prayer. Personal prayer is the talking to God. Intercession is when you step in and you are basically talking to God on somebody else's behalf. So you're praying for them. God, would you help you know, this person's life. God, would you heal this woman's ankle? Things like that. And on their behalf, you're 
praying for them, talking to God for them. You know, that's what intercession is, and it's another kind of prayer, okay? Okay, here we go. This is my co-host tonight. What's your name, co-host? My name is Dominic. Dominic, what's your favorite color? Favorite color is black. Not in the emo way, just because I think it's very peaceful. Like, like the, like the like Batman it. way, kind of? Like the Batman, always okay. vigilant. Like the justice kind of way. No, okay, <laughs> okay, that's cool. That's, <laughs> how did I not know that? <laughs> All right. I also really like blue. Okay, there it is. I thought that was, that's, that's a little, yeah, okay. All right, here you go. A little less threatening. Yep. All right, here you go. Go with the question. All righty. Really like this question. How do you live life successfully in general? Parentheses, obviously from a Christian point of view, and parentheses. Obviously. And it says you can give the basics if needed. Um, I really like this question. It's like how to live a successful Christian life. Like what are the basics? More questions. I think that that's really great. So I'm going to start. Um I think honestly, like from a Christian point of view, basics on how to be successful is to really like dive into like what does success in in God's kingdom look like, you know? And so much of what Jesus said about how how do you be the greatest is through service. Um, So for me, how do you live successfully? How do you be the greatest, get the best you can be? Um, I honestly think it's through a life of service, a life of generosity, a life of loving others. Um, I think that that is so much more important than the bank account, than the home, um, you know, is honestly like serving and living yeah. generously. So good. So good. Anyone else? I can get some snaps. That was good. That was solid. Solid. Solid answer. Yes. What is your name? My name is Lizzie. Lizzie. Success. Um, it looks different for different people. Looks differently for different people because God has a different plan for each one of us. It's good. And so, success in my view is living according to God's will and just doing what He calls us to do. So, coming into your calling on on your life that He has given you, when you live in that, you're successful and you're prosperous real. and you're overflowing. And that's the only measure of success is really just living within God's will and his plan for your life. Yeah, so following God and what he has for you. Absolutely. Absolutely. The most successful thing you can do is be right where God has you and be following him, you know. That's like the best, you know. It's not a measure of money. It's not a measure of like these worldly items. It's a measure of who you are in God's will following that, you know. So good, so good. Get some snaps for that. Solid, solid. Like one of those poetry nights, you know? You know? What's up? Yeah, go for it real quick. Go for it, bro. Yeah, so I, I think God works also relationally. So if you want to mm. like measure your success, look at the relationships around you. That's good. Don't look at the relationships. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's true. If you look around and you're like, oh, man, everyone in my life is in a bad spot, there's a good chance you're like, you're not in a good spot. You know, like you're, you are with the community. That's so good. Kenneth, thank you. Okay, go for it, bro. Cool. Next question I have here. What is the best way to help someone who struggles with knowing their value or doesn't believe they're worth loving? So solid. I think that's a question everyone, every single person walks through is their value, you know? So for you guys, what do you think? 
Um, well, I think that the first step, like, is super cliche, but praying for them is obviously really important. So if you're trying to help them see their value, praying for them, number one. Number two is speak it to them. Like, there's really power in words and really encouraging them to declare it out over themselves. And, like, regardless of what you may think of yourself, this is who God created you to be. This is actually the truth. Um... And really having a conversation and saying, hey, like, do you know that the Lord created you and everything about you is good because God created you and he loves you so much. And so you are inherently like wonderful. And there's nothing that you're going to do that's going to change that because God loves you. And and just really like encouraging them, speaking that over them, encouraging them to do declarations over themselves. And honestly, like this is going to be a hard part of it, but patience. Um, it's a journey and really like being like like people who really struggle with like our self-worth and our value because it's such like a there's so much coming at us every day in the world that like takes away from that it's a process and so there's gonna be days that are good Mm -hmm. and there's gonna be days that are bad and really Mm -hmm. just staying patient and like faithful with your friends and family in that process to love them and continue to speak those things over them as they go through that so good so good yeah i'd snap that yeah Yeah, we had a night a few weeks ago where we were practicing exactly this where we're finding the golden the people yeah and that can be a huge thing whether you're receiving it or you're giving it somebody who's not looking at it from an outside perspective like if i'm looking at myself and saying i'm not worth it then Mm -hmm. somebody comes up to me and says you know patrick you are awesome there's so much good inside of you and they find something that they can see in me that i'm not currently seeing it can really just like flip the switch and just completely turn them around Another good reason why you need good community in your life to yes. tell you the value you have. If you're in a community that tears you down um, and is is speaking devalue over you, that is not a community for you. You know, you need a, a community where God speaks value over you. All right, so good. Yeah, one more. Sure, sure. I think another thing is loving the person where they're at. And it gives the person the mm-hmm. ability to become who they're supposed to be, especially when they're not trying to find their identity in what they do. They find their identity in the love that's been given to them, which is through Jesus. And having grace with both of you as you're doing that, I think that's really important. Wow. All righty, guys. I got a question here that's, that's really real. We have, like, real questions and then we got like really real questions. Are we are we there yet as a family? Can we ask really real questions? And it might offend people. That's how you know it's a real question when it starts offending people, okay? So talk to us afterwards if this offends you, okay? But I trust you guys to give the most loving, loving answer, okay? So here we go. Why is homosexuality wrong? It's real. It's real. That's a real struggle that a lot of people work with. And for too long, we have had where people think if they're homosexual, they're not allowed to come to church, and we hate them, which is totally not true at all. Like, we love them. We want them to come to church, right? So, but, but what, do you, what is your guys' answer for that? How do we change even that view of, like, what people think of the church and their view on it and all that stuff? Why is it wrong, but how do we still love them? So this is an entire sermon, but I think fundamentally... <laughs> That's true. That's true. That's true. It is. I think fundamentally it comes down to the lie that you are defined by what you want. 
And I think wow. that that is such a degradation of your identity and your value as a person that who you are as a human being could be defined by what you want. I don't have, I've discipled people that have struggled with that. I don't have any friends that I'm like, oh, hey, this is my friend who's like a homosexual or something like that. You know, like I talk about their dreams. I talk about yeah, their creativity. I say that this is my friend who's a man of honor, right? Even if he's, you know, processing through those issues. And so I think it's just, People are very quick to say my identity, my value, and my worth is tied to what I want. And I define who I am and where my life is going by what I choose and what I want. And that is dangerous no matter what it looks like, whether it's sports or whatever. And I think the second thing I'd say really quick is just about community. I think sometimes when, you, when you're in that environment and you're struggling with that sin and you're surrounded in that community, it's very, very hard. And sometimes when I've talked to people about it, they feel like the value that they bring as a person to the sex that they're attracted to is about what they can do for them, right? And they don't have a lot of relationships with the sex that they're not attracted to that are fulfilling friendships. And I got to tell you, my friends, I have so many close friends that are girls. I have so many close friends that are guys. And the girls in my life have changed my life and have been a community that has kept me accountable and has kept me sane. And a lot of people that I've met that are struggling with homosexuality, they don't have those good and healthy relationships with girls or they don't have those good and healthy relationships with the sex they are attracted to with guys. Many times they feel used or like they have to give themselves to these guys. And it's crazy, you know? And whether, (laughs) whether you're hetero or homo, if you're struggling with that and you feel like your value to the sex you're attracted to is you having to give something away, then that is a dangerous problem. And I've just seen time and time again with the people I've counseled, that's how they feel, right? And many of them are asking questions, you know? Not everyone out there just thinks this is how I am. There's a lot of people that are asking questions. So don't alienate people who might be asking questions, who are just figuring this out, who don't really know where they are. They need a community to help them, and that's one of the very things they lack when Mm -hmm. they're struggling with that thing. Yeah, they're the very ones we should be inviting into church to say, hey, we love you. We have a spot for you. Come sit with me. You know, absolutely. The Where the church messes up is where we say like, oh, how dare you, you know, get out. We should be saying like, oh, come here. <laughs> come on in. You know, absolutely. Did anyone else have anything they wanted to add to that? If not, I'll add something as well. But do you guys have anything? Yeah. Okay. Um, so I actually had a really rare opportunity. Uh, I lived in Cambodia for some time, and I lived with a, a couple where um, both of them were... Um, basically she was lesbian, he was gay for most of their life, and they had partners for years, dated people, all that stuff, met Jesus, got set free, fell in love, have a whole family, travel the world leading inner healing ministry. Uh, Very rare opportunity. They wrote a whole book on how to get free from this thing. And they said for them, when a... um, they they talked about how they really, really believed this is just how they were made, and there's nothing they could do about it. One woman, um, the woman, she said she met Jesus. She had this vision of Jesus come to, coming and saying, I'm going to take this from you now, and then took it. And she said from that day forth, she just wasn't attracted anymore to women. So she was instantaneously healed. He, the guy, the husband, he's so funny. He's a friend of mine. He's like, man, I wish that was my story. I was like four or five years of walking it out and renewing my mind. You know, like you went the hard way, right? That other way, right? And both preached God's healing power. Um, and so basically, sorry, it is a whole sermon, so I'll try not to take too long. But basically, they, um, they really talked a lot about how... Um, one of the most healing things for him as a man who was struggling with homosexuality, he said he went to a guy and uh, said, hey, I'm gay. I don't know what to do. Pray for me. And the guy said, well, I don't know what that's like, but I know what lust is, and it's 
probably the same thing, right? It's a spirit of lust, just like a heterosexual spirit of lust. It's a demonic spirit of lust just for a different gender. And so if someone came to you and said, I'm struggling with lust, would you say, get out of the church? You're not welcome here? No, you'd be like, oh, dude, you're so normal. Come here, let's pray, right? <laughs> like, like, we got you. We're going to renew your mind. We're going to walk you out of this. It's not God's heart because he believes in the sanctity of marriage. He did, you know, one man, one woman together, marriage, anything outside of that, even sleeping around outside of marriage is not God's will, right? And so he basically said that was so healing for these men who took him in and said, hey, dude, you're one of us. We love you. Let's pray together. Let's pray renewing of your mind, and he slowly but surely walked out of it um, until he said one day he just wasn't attracted to men anymore. It took four years, but he said a lot of times for him too, uh, in both of them, they found that there's a lot of mother and father wounds, that the point in his life when he turned to see who a godly man was, his father wasn't there. Or, or, and a lot of times men will swing to either becoming a womanizer or totally like maybe becoming gay, and same thing with women because there's a broken father-mother relationship. So they said for them, the number one thing they go after when you meet someone who's gay is showing them you are so loved. You have a father who accepts you. You have a family who wants you because they've been so rejected. Come on in. We don't agree with you, but you always have a seat at our table, you know? So it is wrong just because it's not how God designed it. He designed one man, one woman to be together in marriage, and that reflects Jesus and the church, right, is, is what marriage reflects. And ultimately, marriage was designed so that people would see it and it would point to Jesus. That's why when you have two men or two women, it's now a skewed picture of the gospel, and it doesn't fit, and it's not what God designed. Does that help? I know it's a whole sermon. We could talk about this for 40 minutes. I have a whole book written by my friends on this. They've seen hundreds of gay people be set free and healed from this stuff. So if you want that book, I can give that to you as well. Maybe for time's sake, though, we'll move on to another one. Sorry, I'm a pastor. I'll preach, so I'll keep going. But the biggest thing is invite them in and love them. Make a spot for them, because they're people who struggle with lust, just like all of us. Invite them in, you know? Yeah. Awesome. Such a good word. Who's ready for the next question? Maybe get us a, give us a lighter one. This one's no. lighter, I think. I mean, it's, it's, still, it's still important, still serious, but I think it is a little lighter. Um, it's how do you know you're evangelizing uh, too much or too little in your community? Uh, it says, outside of the church, I feel like I need to be careful in my community because it's easy to scare people away, but I keep being told indirectly that I'm not doing enough but I feel the situation is really delicate. Um, so I appreciate kind of like the more personal aspect of these questions, but I also think that the, the core of the question is essentially what to do with evangelism question mark. <laughs> when, how much, when too little, when is it sensitive? Um, so who's up? Okay. Um, well, I think that there's a couple things. I think that the first thing is that like, What's really important to remember in regards to evangelism is it's not just the speaking and the talking, it's also the way you live your life and and the way you demonstrate yourself. And so if people, like, for example, if you're, like, in a community or maybe your neighborhood or your work community or whatever, and you're like, I don't know if I start talking about Jesus, how they're going to respond, sometimes the way that you're living, the way you're responding to situations, the way how you talk to them about certain things can be a greater witness um, in those moments. Now, it is important to have that, like, come to Jesus talk, absolutely, but I think I would encourage you with first, like, if you're worried, if it's a delicate situation and you are not sure where to start as far as, like, how to have a conversation, one would be asking Holy Spirit and saying, okay, how should I respond? How should I communicate 
with this? Like, how do I talk? The second thing would be really like live, like doing your best to demonstrate a life that represents the Lord and even like letting them in. So like, oh, if I messed up here, like, hey, I messed up here. And like, you know, like owning it and really like representing it. That doesn't mean like representing the Lord doesn't mean like you're perfect and you walk around with all your crap together. Like that means that you're real and that you like, you show like your Jesus in the way that you like repent for your actions or the way that you handle a problem or the way that you respond to somebody's situation or their conversation. Um, in a way that like, Hey, I don't judge you, but just so you know, like, this is what I think. And this is what the Lord says. And I love you anyways. Yeah. It's so good. Awesome. So, so good. All right. Patrick. I think also like when God tells you to go, go. And if he's not telling you to go, like maybe that, maybe the door's not open right there, but um, just before you go in, like, pray for the wisdom and pray for the grace to to not approach it with necessarily, like, a condemning heart, but, like, an open heart. Like, we heard John uh, and Joy talking about their testimony today and the way that they approached that situation. It was really open. It was just, hey, I, is your ankle hurting? And it wasn't, like, it wasn't, like, kind of in your face, like, hey, uh, you know, are are you saved? Can, like, do you know? Like, it was just very chill, and then it completely o- allowed them to just pray for that person, and then it opened the door for the person to ask the question and say, you know, how did you know that stuff? Like, and then that just eventually led to that person being healed. Awesome. Maybe one more from Lauren over here. Really quick, I think something to remember when you're evangelizing, and if you start to see yourself like when you're praying for people and seeing the healings and you're like, Oh yes, like that person got healed or, Oh yes. Like you start counting everything and you're making it more like, you're not seeing it as the person anymore. You're starting to see it as like, just like numbers. Then I'd probably question like, okay, are you really like trying to go after like the kingdom of God? Like, are you actually Mm. trying to see God's heart for people or are you just trying to do it for personal gain? So I think that's something to remember when you're evangelizing. So that just came to mind. Um, so we're going to move on, but basically the, uh, one thing I would say is Jesus said he only did what he saw his father doing. And so it's just as, um, just like you would be, if you were to walk in and just assume God doesn't want to talk to anyone, you know, and you kind of shut down, um, I could say, no, you, you need to ask and see what is the father doing. And if he said, go to that person, go to the person. But sometimes you can walk around paranoid in every room. You think you have to pray for every single person in the room and you're like overwhelmed. Like, I don't know. Stop in that moment. And just say, Father, what are you doing? Because it might be one person he highlights, and you can go to them and then do it. He might say, sit down, I want to talk to you right now. <laughs> you know, whatever it is. Like, it, 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 being faithful is just do what you see the Father doing. So ask him before you do it. Otherwise, you could be trying to do it in your own strength and make something happen. And God, the key is ask the Father, what are you doing? And then follow that, be obedient to that no matter what. All right, here's a question. Where do you draw the line physically when dating? We have, in February, we have a whole dating series we do. So we're going to cover this a lot. Yeah, (laughs) spring fever hits. And so we cover it in February and March. But um, for you guys, though, this is a good question. Everyone wants to know. There you go, Lauren, go for it. Lauren and then Kenneth. Kenneth raised his hand. It'd be good to have a guy's perspective as well. So Kenneth can go next. Um... 
I think one of the biggest things that draws the line in dating is first, is this man or woman leading you to God? Because if you're dating this person and if you start to notice that your relationship with God is getting further and further, that's the number one check to be like, okay, this person isn't like, it isn't like fulfilling my relationship with God. Because if that man or that woman is any other like, man of faith or woman of faith, they will lead you closer to Christ. So I think that's like the number one thing. And also too, if they're also like pushing your boundaries or your values, because if you have certain like convictions or things like that, and if they're trying to like change that, that's also a big red flag to look for. So y'all got my heart racing. Anyways, um, so back in uh, YWAM Kona, I had a mentor and something that uh, he kind of shared with us that I thought it's a very good way to look at things is don't look at things as far as right or wrong then you're always going to be playing this game but you can think of things as is it wise or not and I think that's a good way to approach it and then when you ask the question is it wise it'll be a lot more clearer than if it's right or wrong because right or wrong you can be like eh, well and you'll have all these debates but is it wise to do and also um uh as far as like because the question said physical right yeah all right there's something in um where is uh, what book is it I don't know, it says, do everything and do it for the glory of God. So ask yourself, is this glorifying God? You know, is it glorifying, is it putting him in light? And you know the answer. And don't try to, like, once you get the answer, you're like, that's the answer. Um, and then wait, wait until you're married. That's mm-hmm. it. <laughs> get married. No. All right. And so, um, so one last thing that was super good, both you guys. One last thing I would add on to that is the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. Don't grieve him, you know? <laughs> like, like listen to the Holy Spirit. Uh, follow the convictions. Ask him to sharpen your convictions continuously. And then also, between the two of you, when whoever's conviction is like, I don't know, lower or higher, I don't know how you want to describe it, whoever gets convicted first, that's what you follow. You don't say, but I'm not convicted, right? It's like... Whoa, that's not, no, that's messed up. Like, you you honor each other's as well, right? And so I know some couples who said they're not going to kiss until they get married. There might be other couples, there might be other couples that are just like, oh, no, I can never do that, right? And it's, they have a personal conviction with the, with the Lord, and they're responsible for that conviction as well, okay? Um, and so watch conviction and honor each other's convictions as well, okay? All righty, so Dominic had a question. Yeah, so next question up is, how do you share God with someone who, continues to reject him continual rejection how do you share god yar and joel those are the first two hands that went up you share god by loving them and not like just preaching to them like the word of god um so when you love them as christ loves the church that brings them to repentance and the word it says it's god's love that brings us to repentance so it's not the words that we say it's not the things that we do it's just by loving them and one day they're going to be like, wow, they love me through my bad. They love me through my attitude. I need to get right with God because there's something about them that's different than other people. All righty, Joel. That was awesome. Exactly what Yara said. Love them and don't be afraid to be yourself. Don't be afraid to be yourself and show that you love God and you love God in your life and your actions and you don't sacrifice or compromise your integrity just to fit in with a social clique or... Um, just be yourself and don't be afraid to hide God. Don't be afraid to like tone the God level down. I mean, just be yourself. Be yourself around anyone around them and continue to love them. And eventually, God will open their eyes and be like, this guy, what's with this guy? You know, he'll start, they'll start to wonder and they'll start to see that this guy really loves Jesus and this guy really does love me and he's different. So good. 
Yeah, I used to work at a like a law firm, and they all did not like Christians at all. And there's one in particular, if there was anyone, this one, always cursed the loudest, was the most angry, all that kind of stuff, right? Um, and they openly knew I was a Christian, would kind of make fun of me because I wouldn't like sleep around, and I wouldn't like party with them, and I wouldn't do all these things. Totally made fun of me, and I just consistently tried to love them. I never preached at them and tried to use logic, because, you know, a lot of times if they're going to God, running from God, going to God, running to God, continually rejecting back and forth, usually it's not a logic issue. <laughs> There's some kind of a heart dysfunction going on that needs to be healed and needs to be addressed and needs to be fathered and mothered and loved, you know? And so I just try to keep loving this person. Um, and now they come to Summit Church on Sunday mornings. They walked in, they walked in one morning and I was like, what? And they were like, yeah, my husband and I decided we need to get right with God. And so I just said, where did that guy Taylor used to go? Summit. Let's go there. And now they come here regularly on Sunday mornings, right? And I, I was shocked. And I was like, the one person I would have never guessed was the one person who ended up coming just because consistently loved them over years and consistently loved him, told him about Jesus, not to push you away, but just said, hey, he loves you. You know, and he's worth it not partying and doing all that stuff, you know, and so good. If I can add one more thing really quick on that, I think for me, there's also this level of like, like God gave us free will, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to try to take that away when I preach the gospel, right? Like Jesus, you see his whole ministry is he, he was so provoking. He was so thought provoking. He, he fed those that were hungry for him. The crowds followed him, you know, he went in among them, you know, but he also let the crowds come to them, let them ask questions when they wanted more. Um, and I think for me, it's like there's a difference between feeding someone an amazing meal when they're hungry and force feeding someone who doesn't even want it. Um, and I think that what you do with that is like you never give up on them. You always pray for them. You always demonstrate these things that they're talking about, love, generosity, what it actually looks like to belong to a family. Like you demonstrate all these things. But then I think there's also a faith in saying like, Lord, I'm not going to try to overstep what you're doing and try to like remove any of their choice because then it's not theirs. And then it's kind of like, I think, alienating the choice that God wanted them to have anyway. And I think sometimes it takes more faith to be like, okay, they're just saying no to me over and over and over again. Maybe this is a season where I get to be the prayer warrior and just love on them. And maybe it's someone else's seed that's going to take root. Maybe it's a different season. Maybe it's a different choice. And so in, in addition to just loving and demonstrating that to them and praying without ceasing for them, I think that also being cognizant of like, hey, let's honor them enough to make their own choices, because um, I think that's what Jesus extended to us in the first place. Awesome. Yep. Super good. You guys doing okay? We got 10 more minutes. Can you guys do 10 more minutes? Yeah, all right? Yeah, yeah? You liking this? Is this helpful? Is this good? Yeah? Okay, cool. And we'll try our best. We've got a lot of questions over here. So if afterwards, if your question didn't get answered, I'm sorry. Come up to us. Ask any of these guys any of these questions if we don't get to it, okay? But we're trying our best. This one, I actually, I really appreciate this one because they're, they're just honest about where they're at. Um, and it's awesome that they came here. I love it. They just said, um, I am Jewish but still want to pray and have good things to happen, and they wrote the blessed way. Um, how should I do this so it, it can be related to Jewish, but still pray about things? So I think the idea is like, I'm, I'm not a Christian, I'm Jewish, um, but I'm going to guess religion-based Jewish, you know, maybe also physical as well, um, both and, but 
What do I do? Can I still pray? Is it still effective? I want things to be blessed. I want to pursue God, but I'm not a Christian yet. What do I do? Is it possible to still pray and have good things happen? Just what do you do with that? Where do you go with that? And I think it works for Jewish also, but I think there might be other religions asking the same question, you know? And for who you and for who you are, bravo for coming here. You're always welcome here. I love that, okay? You're always welcome here. Okay, so what do you guys have, what do you guys have to say for all that? All right, David. Give it to David. <laughs> All right. Love it. I want to start with saying that I worship your God. I worship Yahweh. And in Romans chapter 11, which I know isn't really part of the Old Testament, uh, Paul admonishes the church that's rising up in Rome. And he says, hey, I don't want you guys to become overconfident. I want you to understand that we have been grafted into the family of God. And so in Romans chapter 11, he says, look, if you are a Gentile and you've chosen to follow Yahweh, then you are an olive branch that was growing in the wild that God took and he put inside of the tree that is the family of faith. But if you are someone who is Jewish, then you are one of the natural branches. This is your God. This is your family. And no one can take that away from you, even if you don't think exactly like awesome. us. The God that we pray to, the God that you believe in, he hears your prayers. And when I do miracles, when I pray for blind people to see like I've done in foreign nations, I'm only doing the things that Jewish people have done. When I pray over food and it multiplies, I'm only doing what the prophet Elijah did. And so if I was hanging out with someone who was Jewish, they would notice, man, the way that you talk and the miracles that you do remind me of things that I've seen in stories and even things from the Mishnah and the other writers writings for the Jewish um, people. And so that's what I'd really say is that people in the church sometimes don't realize, hey, we've been grafted into the family of God. Jesus bought me access into this family, but this was always the family of Israel. And Israel will always be Yahweh's covenant people. And so we believe we get to share in that inheritance, but there's an inheritance and a blessing that will always rest upon the Jews. And that's why so many people come and try to destroy that because there is a blessing and there is anointing true, that yeah. will be there. And regardless of what any Christian might say about Yahweh, he said, I have chosen to bless my covenant people and he will not break his promise. And so as a Christian who believes in Yahweh, I want to pray for Israel and I do consistently. And I, I choose to honor people because these are my roots and these are my people and these are my brothers and sisters. Whether they come to church with me, the Lord says that they're in the natural branches, I'm the wild branches, we're all the family of God. And so I pray for Israel regularly, and I pray for people who are Jewish, and I don't lose respect for them because they don't believe in the Jewish man, Jesus, who came, and I believe did something for them, right? I still respect what they think and what they know about Yahweh, and I've actually learned a lot from some of my Jewish friends talking in the Yellow Deli late at night, and they've taught me things about the Old Testament that I couldn't see. You know, sometimes in the church, we're just a little bit blind. You know, they'll even tell me about certain translations, certain books in the Bible that they're like, look, all the translators translate it like this, but like, I speak this language, and that's not how I translate it, right? And so if you've ever heard of the Passion Translation, Brian Simmons actually has spent a lot of time with Jewish people because it changes his understanding of the Bible and the Old Testament. It changes the way he translates, because they look at our scriptures sometimes, and they're like, dude, I've read Isaiah before, and that's not really what it should look like. You know, like, I speak this language, and that's not what that word means. And so I think there's a lot that we can learn from people who are Jewish, and there's a blessing that God has given to them that's an inheritance. 
Come on. There you go. That's great. Um, and since so we want to pray, just pray. I mean, your ancestors just called upon the name of Yahweh, and he heard them, right? Yeah. And so Jesus or no Jesus, right? If you call upon the name of Yahweh like your ancestors did, God himself is going to meet you, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. It, yeah. So good. So good. It's kind of the idea. If you were, if you were a father and you had two or three sons, um, one of them was like say Christian or whatever, one was Israel, one was atheist lost, the father still loves them all equally and still hears them when they call out for him. You know, it doesn't mean that they're all in the house, right? Because he, he, the lost one chose to run, you know? Um, and it's almost like, it's almost like God's firstborn inheritance son, so to speak. This analogy breaks down at some point was Israel though. Um, and then Gentiles, all the non-Jewish, uh, weren't second born, right? But we're under the same family and the father's not going to have dinner unless both are in the house, you know? And the father's saying, I want both of them at the table with me. However, there is the very clear truth that we do believe as Christians that the only bridge to heaven, the only way to the father is through Jesus and is through the cross. And so unfortunately, I do not believe Jewish people go to heaven because anyone who does not believe in Jesus automatically goes to heaven. The only way to go to heaven is through Jesus and through him and his connection to the Father and through what he died. He died on the cross for us, for you, Jewish, non-Jewish, for everyone to reconnect us to the Father. We believe as Christians that works do not get you to heaven. Like you could be the best person on the planet, but works will not get you to heaven. Only the grace of a good father who put the punishment onto Jesus so it wouldn't come onto us, right? And so whether you're a great, amazing Jewish person or whether you're uh, a great, amazing atheist person, you know, you're, neither one's going to go to heaven unless they know Jesus and come through Jesus, you know? So that's what we do believe. But that doesn't mean we don't have a spot for you at our table. You're always welcome. Ask any question you want. You're always loved. You're always come be a part of our family. If you want to know more, talk to us, okay? Super proud of you for coming tonight, whoever you are. So good. Okay, do we have time for one or two, one more question? One or two more? Three, four. This one's a quick one, and this one's a pretty relatable one for young people, and it's very quick and easy. Less theological, Views on partying? Question mark. Views on partying? Question mark. Come to Third Friday. No. <laughs> Good, clean family fun. We did a limbo contest. We had 40 people in my house doing the limbo. Oh man, that was a new record. That was crazy. And I found out I can't. I can't do the limbo. I just can't do it. So yes, but he can. Anyway, views on partying? Question mark. So I'm going to guess that this is like college partying, not crux. Third Friday hangout. All right. So so yeah, when I was in college, um, I definitely, in my freshman and sophomore years, partied. And I was part of a fraternity and everything. And uh, was just, you know, it's just kind of what you did. But as I started to get saved and started to like sort of turn that around, there was a real... uh, like I needed to personally step away from that in order to kind of change my perspective. Um, and some people, like I, I had a friend, some of you guys know Josh Bird. Um, he was able to go to the parties, and he was the guy with a cup of water dancing harder than any of the other drunk people in the party. With a cup and, of water? <laughs> and people just knew him in the community as being, you know, Josh Bird, the Christian guy that's not going to drink and not going to give in to any pressure. And so there was no image associated to the party to him but sometimes people it's like 
why put yourself in the temptation if it's a, if, if it's something that you struggle with if it's the drugs the drinking any the the girls the the guys uh, just if that's something that's going to tempt you just try to stay away from it reach out to the community that's going to help grow you uh, who's going to try to get you closer to Jesus and um, it's going to help turn things around. So if it's something that you can do and the temptation isn't going to overcome you, then maybe it's just going out with some friends and staying sober, being the DD or whatever. But I would personally recommend try to stay away from it because it can also be uh, an image changer to some of your friends. Like, oh, well, he's a Christian, but he still goes out and parties. But what they're looking at from their perspective is maybe they're seeing that and tying all of that party atmosphere to you as well and saying, and using that as an excuse to grow deeper into their uh, wow. fall or whatever. And um, you can be that light by saying, I don't need this. Let's just go over to a friend's house and watch a movie or, you know, go to third Friday hangout and be in a really like awesome, good spot that there's not going to be those temptations or those, uh, those sinful, the sinful atmosphere. Yeah. Give it to Brianna. And, yeah, Diana and Brianna. You guys both answer. Okay. And then we'll okay. start to wrap up. So um, the Bible says don't get drunk off of wine, but instead be filled with the Spirit. So oftentimes people struggle with partying because they're trying to fill a void that only Jesus can fill. And a lot of people that are like crazy into partying, you know, they're just hungry for the Holy Spirit. And when, they, when you taste and see of the goodness of God, like you don't want to go back to that stuff, you know? So super good. That's true. Super true. Yep. Got very quick things. One, I'd ask myself, why do I want to go partying? And like Diana said, you might be trying to fill something and maybe that's not the best way to fill it. Sometimes it could be you don't want to be vulnerable or you're hurting and this is a way to not hurt anymore. Mm. Others, it could be peer pressure and it's like, but that's what everyone else is doing. Or you just don't know and you just want to be around people and that's where people are and you want to be known. I really suggest finding something that you love to do and doing that with people that you like. And you can find friends in any situation. I'm just sitting at the USU and I pulled a chair and I accidentally woke a guy up. He's like, hey, I was so sorry. And just talking to him for 10 minutes, we found out we had a bunch in common and we started talking about God. We started talking about random traveling stuff and that was it. And I had more enjoyment in that conversation than if I was by myself. But I had a need met in me that I didn't even know was there. I wanted to talk to somebody. And so, yeah. So good. Yeah, it's so good. God is all for celebrating and having fun. There was literally required parties in the Jewish culture, you know, in the feasts back in the day. There was these feasts in the Old Testament that the whole nation would shut down and party, right? And it was awesome, and it was God-ordained, and it's what God wanted. So he's all for fun. He's all for partying um, in a good, healthy environment, a good, healthy way. The issue is what they're talking about. When the partying is going for the guys, for the girls to get drunk, to do all these things, that's when it gets off, and it's like a counterfeit, perverted version of what God intended always to be good. So what I love about the third Friday hangouts, when we do that, I had someone come in who used to party, and they came in, and they said, I feel like I'm at a family reunion right now. They literally were like, I'm having so much fun, but it's all clean, and we all know each other. That is a good, pure form of the quote-unquote party, where it's like, we're here, we're bonding, we're laughing, we're having fun, and no one's doing anything wrong or sinful or messed up, right? And that's the true thing behind the counterfeit of having to get drunk or having to do these other things, right? So I like what they said. 
is uh, look for that void, but fill it with good community and God. Final question for the night. Dominic wow. Groves, go for Here it. Here we go. Final question. Can we get one of those, like, lap, clap, drum rolls? Oh, I feel it. A little louder. A little louder. I see some hands not drumming. Where it's like at? one of those. All right. We're going to get it in. The last question. Okay, absolute <laughs> silence, please. Oh, that was, that was, a, that was a hard All turn. All right. You see that hard stop? Awesome. How does God love sinners? Boom. How does God love sinners? This is like the gospel right here. How could he love sinners? Yar. Another Bible phrase. He do, he didn't come for the healthy. He came for those who were sick. He came for the sinners. He didn't die on the cross because you were living a godly life or because you were doing, um, you know, like living a Christian life. He came because you were living in sin. So how does God love the sinners? He came for the sinners, and he wants to love you. He wants to love you back into repentance. He wants to love you back into his heart because he has a plan for you because he loves you. <laughs> so. Oh, you, we all are his marvelous creations. He created us to have a relationship with him. So, of course, he's going to love us regardless if we sin or not, because we are literally his creations. He created us with a purpose, and that purpose is to have a relationship with him. So, excuse me, my God. He will do anything in his power, and he did by having, sending Jesus just so he could have a relationship with us. That's why he loves us. I'm going to say one thing. He loves us because he loves us. And he loves us because he loves us. And he purely just loves us because that's his choice to love us, no matter what our condition is. Yeah, that's good. That's, that's the gospel. That's what we believe as Christians is that uh, while we were still sinners, God came for us. God died for us. God loves us. He's a good father. He's a good father who cares for us and has any son who runs home, he says, hey, come back. I just want you home. We believe as Christians that Jesus died, not for just the healthy, but for the sick, for the sinners. God so badly wanted to be with you. He literally said over my dead body and died so that you, he could connect with you once again. And the only way to go to heaven, the only way to be with him, the only way to find your purpose in life and change from that sinner to being a son or daughter is through Jesus. So, all right. Well, Lord, we love you. We thank you, God, that you are not afraid of questions. You're not afraid of funny, shallow questions. You're not afraid of deep questions or theological questions. God, you're just, you're not afraid of any of those, Lord. And Lord, so we love you. We thank you. You're a good God who loves his kids, Lord. And we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the way he died for us and reconnected us with you, washed us clean and made us innocent once again before you, Lord. But we love you. We thank you uh, for all that you've done in our lives. And we're so expectant for all that you're going to continue to do in the crux and in this family. And all God's people said, amen. Thank you for listening to the Crux Podcast Sermon of the Week. Be sure to visit summitsanmarcos.com for other exciting content from Summit Church.